Hello. How's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. I've I've got my whole family in town right now. There's 16 of us. So I've been in total family mode. And it's been like 100 degrees here. So all we've been doing is going to the pool, going to the beach, going to the waterfalls, just anything that is not baking in the sun, I guess. Yeah. Do you want to go around the circle and just have each person introduce themselves? Are, oh, yeah. Are we on right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're on. Okay. We, we I'm, done been on. No, no. I, I'm, I, I meant... I was joking as if your family were here. Oh. <laughs> you That's can tell good. it's a good That's joke good. because I had to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to Art of Product, Mr. Jackson. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. When was the last time I was on? Was that... It feels like a week ago, but it was probably a long time. It was, it was a little longer. Six weeks, maybe? Something like that? Wow. Something like that. Yeah. Lots can happen in six weeks. Like you could launch launch products in six you weeks. You can launch products you know? in six weeks. Yeah, there's there's stuff going on. Did did you guys launch anything? Uh, sort um, of no. A tweet? <laughs> <laughs> a tweet. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Things are happening on our end too, but we haven't had a big launch. Uh, but this is nice timing because we can talk about yours at least. Yeah. It's funny because that was a big event, but it feels like there was other things that had to lead up to that event. Well, so we launched Transistor.fm. That's what we're circling around. How long do you want to bury the lead? That's a, that's a yeah. question. <laughs> so uh, my buddy John Buda and I, we've been working on this podcast platform called Transistor. And we had the launch on August 2nd. Before that, kind of leading up to that, I flew to Chicago to hack on it with him. But the reason I was able to go to Chicago was I got asked to MC Laracon. So Laracon was happening in Chicago. And then it was like, perfect. I could just like go right into this time with, with uh, John. So that was interesting. We, we figured out, I don't think we've seen each other in two or three years in person. So there's some kind of weird stuff because we made a bunch of big life decisions over Skype. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, you know, arranging to be married and getting married over Skype. And then <laughs> you like uh, six months later, you get to see your significant other. It's like you just had a kid now. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, and then we had a kid that met, week. Yeah. And you met each other sh- shortly before you had this child. That's right. Called transistor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, those metaphors. I some people don't like them, but there is a lot of similarities. I mean, Derek, you've had this with Rob, but yeah. Did you guys meet before you became partners? Yeah. Yeah, we met in person through like a local startup competition, and he had like moved to the Fresno area because his wife got a job. She's a was a college professor at the time. So that's how we met was kind of like locally. And then I actually found out he was like somewhat internet famous after the first time I met him. Gotcha. Funny. Oh, yeah. Well, that I mean, it's better to not know they're internet famous before. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I think so. It was interesting just being in the same room with him. We worked a lot. We probably worked 10, 12 hour days uh, for four or five days. We had two big things we needed to finish. One was our new analytics feature. We had like basic podcast analytics, but we really wanted to have something awesome for our launch. And 
a way to sign up with a credit card. <laughs> Those are the two things we needed. And we just worked like these long days. He still works for Cards Against Humanity. So we got to use their office on Saturday and Sunday. And that place was like Disneyland for nerds. It was crazy. He gives me the tour. It just has lots of natural light. It's really open. It has board games on one side. And in the middle are these shipping containers. And on one side is like, they call it the Moroccan room. And it's like this dark room. And it, it has like kind of Asian tapestries. And it, it's weird. And then on the other side, they have kind of a Zen room that's light. And it's for meditation or something. And they have three podcast studios in this office. And one of them is, it has a table with eight microphones and then glassed off soundboard and like, you know, probably $100,000 worth of foam, uh, sound foam. It was so fun. It was really cool. And no one's there. So there's like snacks and coffee and we worked some long hours there, but it was really, really fun. What happened on August 2nd was just the product hunt launch. We still have a waiting list of about a thousand people, but I haven't emailed it yet just because right after the product hunt launch, I was like so tired. I'm like, and my family was coming into town. I'm like, I'm just going to wait to email the waiting list. So I feel like we've launched, but I feel like we're still like, we, we have a few more things we need to do. Yeah. How was it when you guys started working together in person? Partly, it feels like just like working remote. We're in the same room, but we're kind of heads down. You also don't want to interrupt the other person too much. I think the biggest benefit is, well, for me, the biggest benefit is I'm away from my family. So there's no other distractions. When you've got a family, you can't, you can't put in big hours like that. So getting away for kind of a, a week of hustle is a good idea, I think, probably for anybody, just because it gets you out of your regular zones. But for me, getting away and, you know, I've got no family stuff to worry about. All I'm worried about is this one thing. The other advantage is then you kind of lift your head up and you go, oh man, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. We haven't had breakfast or lunch. Maybe we should go <laughs> eat something. It wasn't like we were crazy. I, the joke was like at one point, it was probably midnight and we're thinking, okay, maybe we should start working on this next thing. And we look at each other, we're like, we're too old for this. <laughs> Let's just go to bed. <laughs> we're, we're both 38. So we just kind of feel like, man, let's just go to sleep. And uh, yeah, so the, the kind of the lunch times and dinner times and getting to talk about other things other than work, I think is really beneficial. Getting to go for some walks. When you're doing things with a co-founder, I think that fills things out nicely. So that, that part was great. The actual working together, maybe the only other benefit is when you see someone else hustling, it does kind of motivate you to hustle. So if it looks like John is busy, it's much less likely that I'm going to get tempted to go on Reddit or Twitter or whatever. It, it, you know, I'm like, oh, he's really working hard. I should be working hard. Totally. It's funny, this, that dovetails very nicely with an episode we recorded recently because I went with my team up to a remote location in Maine and oh, we spent nice. a week hacking on the product and had the exact same experience where we're coding tons of time during the day and there's mm -hmm. that same sort of like slight social pressure uh, to be productive and it was, it was really great for us. 
Yeah. I would actually encourage anybody building something, whether it's solo or not, to book time away to work on their thing. It creates that expectation. So you, you tell, you know, whoever, hey, I'm leaving for the week. Why? Well, I'm leaving so I can focus on this thing and actually make significant progress. And, you know, if I had to say, how much progress did we make? Well, it was probably about a month's worth of work in a week because we're doing nothing else. You know, John took time off work. I'm there. It's, it really does help. And I've found it, I haven't been able to do a full week before, but with my wife, I've been able to say, can I go away for a weekend? This is what I'm hoping to accomplish. And I know a lot of people who are working on side projects, that's something they, they struggle with. I get lots of emails and messages from folks saying, you know, my husband doesn't want me to work on this, or my wife doesn't want me to work on this, or whatever. Just being able to say, okay, I just want to go away for this time. This is what I'm hoping to accomplish. This is what it's going to mean for us, all that stuff. It can be really, really helpful. And there's no lawn to be mowed. There's no kids to bring anywhere. There's, it's just one thing. Yeah, it's really great. You mentioned that you had these few things left to do. And obviously the credit card one's pretty self-explanatory, but the analytics one was just like just another feature, right, to add into the product. How did you guys decide like when it's done enough to ship or I guess to officially launch and open up, you know, signups? Yeah, well, we felt like we've been 90% done forever. When you're getting ready to put this thing out into the world, that's where it becomes real. And I was just forecasting, you know, we're going to launch this on Product Hunt. For sure, we're going to get questions. How is this different? How does this compare? And I wanted to, at the very least, have... Like, reporting is kind of the key feature for a lot of podcast hosting applications because, you know, you can host MP3s a lot of places, but the analytics is the tricky part. And when people said, how does this compare to Simplecast or how does this compare to Libsyn... I wanted to be able to show them a screenshot and say, this is what our analytics looks like right now. And we already had enough because we'd had early access users. We knew that that was the one thing they're like, okay, that's what, we're, that's what they wanted as well. And so to be able to say, well, we're publicly launching and for our existing users say, hey, we're publicly launching and this is what it means for you. You're going to get those analytics you've been waiting for. And then to be able to say to this discerning, critical public, you know, this is what our analytics looks like. And we have a few things that we're doing differently than other folks that we think are going to be really great for brands that are, you know, creating podcasts. So, so, it's, so it's like at least like a minimum set of like key differentiators that you can point to yeah. to kind of squeeze more juice out of the launch. That's right. Instead of it just being like, well, it's still an MVP style product or very bare bones. Yeah. You know, you could at least yeah. point to some things. I mean, the, the truth is, and so this is going to apply to both of you, probably. I, I'm not sure if you've had this struggle, but you know your competitors have this bare minimum set of features. When you're catching up, like Slack has a bit of a head start on Derek. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> and, you know, other things like, uh, what what's your big competitor, Ben? Would you think what is it? It's honestly probably Slack calls. At Slack this point, calls. people just sort of sticking with the status quo that they have. Yeah, so they're far ahead of you. So you need to get to uh, at least a comparable minimum set of features. 
Now that's the truth, right? That's the the truth is you're just trying to make it up to this waterline. And of course, you have a vision in your head of what's going to make you different and what's going to make you stand out. But to get there, you need to first get to this like minimum standard. We've been working to get to this minimum standard, but yeah, we wanted to have something that we could say, well, look, like we estimate how many podcast subscribers you have. Uh, Not a lot of hosting applications do that yet. We show you average downloads per episode from seven days out, 30 days out, 60 days out, and 90 days out, like in a real snapshot kind of way. And nobody presents it like that. It was a way of us showing, you know, here's something. And it also just looks impressive. It's kind of sad because there's a lot of great features that just don't look good in screenshots. I knew it was kind of like a good showpiece when people go, well, why should I use this instead of SoundCloud? Or, uh, you know, I'm able to do a side-by-side comparison. Here's what Anchor's stats look like. Here's what our stats look like. I mean, we fixed a few other things, but it was basically those two things. And then the marketing site. I mean, there's always stuff, but we needed to get the marketing site to a a bare minimum that was like, okay, here we go. And then how did that launch go? I had to adjust my expectations because I was like, okay, like we're going to launch and I'm going, I'm basically on vacation right after and John goes back to work. So I knew I wanted to launch on Product Hunt on August. Wait, August 1st is when we launched. Sorry, I'm getting confused now. I just kind of put everything into that product hunt launch. I said, you know, I tried to remind people a week ahead, hey, we're working on this. Make sure you check us out on product hunt on August 1st. Uh, Emailed my personal list. Like I just was really priming the pump for this product hunt launch. And I just wanted to make the biggest kind of splash on the internet that day that I could. And figured we'd probably get lots of inbound, probably not a ton of signups. We have a credit card signup, 14-day free trial. There's a lot of benefits from throwing a big boulder in a lake and having all those ripples. And Product Hunt, if you can do it right, is one of the best. So I just thought if we can just get tons of effort into this one thing, this will kind of create the uh, word of mouth and the momentum we want. And so I think we ended up getting like probably 18,000 page views or something that day, another 10,000 the next day. These aren't probably exact. Uh, Over a thousand upvotes, which was, it's definitely my most upvoted thing I've ever put on there. And the upvote thing, I know it sounds like a a silly vanity metric, but on Product Hunt, it actually gets you what you want, which is you're number one on the page that day. And then they compare you to every launch that week. And then you get another bump because you'll be number two or number three product for that week. And they, they send it through all their channels, right? Oh, by the way, I I paid for ship, you know, product hunt ship. I paid for it like two or three weeks before we launched. In retrospect, I actually wish I'd done that earlier because I just had the free product. And as soon as I paid, I started getting tons of subscribers through it. They, They definitely give you preferential treatment and you'll spend more time in upcoming. Well, you that's the only way to get into upcoming. Uh, but yeah, I got tons of people subscribing that way. So you don't have to pay for it for like six months in advance, but like I think a month or two in advance is worth it. It was insane. It's like sucking from a fire hose that day. Like you, we launched at one in the morning or whatever, and it 
I, I had flown back from Chicago. So I'd gone from Central Time to Pacific Time. John went to bed. I just stayed up and answered questions and chats until like three or four in the morning. So I don't, it wasn't great on my body. But I knew like immediately people were going to have questions and I wanted to kind of be there. Yeah, just tons of great engagement, tons of emails, tons of tweets, tons of inbound on our live chat app, uh, tons of great questions. And so, you know, I would get a question on Product Hunt that would be like, how is this different from Anchor? And I would write out an answer and then I would immediately copy and paste that into a blog post, fill it out a bit more and then publish it. And then every time we got that question again in chat, I would be able to say, oh, I just wrote a piece on that. So I wrote Anchor versus Transistor and Simplecast versus Transistor that day. I also had a piece on how to get more subscribers. Uh, and in terms of signups, that day we probably got like seven signups. Into trial or like paid? Into trial, the, yeah. Into trial, So there are okay. se- seven folks into trial. So I've, I've probably, I don't know, I've probably launched, I don't know, 10, 20 things on Product Hunt. And probably, I don't know, eight or so have been mine or something I have insight into analytics on. And there's some things that on Product Hunt that, for example, marketing for developers, people bought like crazy that day. They see it on Product Hunt, they buy. It's a, you know, $49 ebook. It's, it's an easy, like, I'm a developer. Oh, I, I want this. It's an easy decision. But it's not a intent-based audience. They're just like, they're looking for entertainment. And so free apps do really well there, like cool, like augmented reality and bots and AI, like they, very trendy things seem to do well. So we knew we probably wouldn't get a lot of people going, oh, well, I've been looking for a podcast host. I haven't done any research and this looks great. <laughs> you know, Like that's not going to happen. But where we did get more is you make the splash and then the ripples start going out. So because we were number one on Product Hunt, there's this newsletter called Pod News. They, pu- they made us their number one story the next day. And we got way more trial signups from that than from the Product Hunt launch. And then, you know, people start tweeting about it. Oh, hey, you know. And so the ripples is, is what is helpful in terms of search optimization, you get these really high quality backlinks from, you know, product hunt, but then from these outlets that are covering you. So we knew that we were going to launch. And then my hope is end of August, we're at like 1500 MRR, which would kind of double what we were at before. Did you consider not asking for credit card up front? Or what was kind of the decision making behind that? Uh, that call. Well, I just listened to Rob Walling on pro- startups for the rest <laughs> of us. He said, you got to use credit card up front. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there you go. honestly, that was kind of it. A podcast is an investment. And so I really don't want that anchor crowd. So the folks that are going to anchor and they're like, well, I want something free that I can just play around with. That's great. I, anchor is perfect for those folks. But we are really focused on people that are trying to build a brand and want to earn our audience's trust through podcasting. So we want people that are going to have real microphones and are actually going to edit their podcast. They're going to level their audio. They really care about the branding. They really care about how it looks. They care about the player. That's our audience. And so if they don't have a credit card or they're not willing to spend money 
They're probably not our customer. And so it just felt like this is the most honest way to do sign up for us. Otherwise, we're going to get all these free accounts and already like you get so much if you have one of those like intercom chats or we're using Kayako, but if you have one of those things, it's a pain in the ass. There's people messaging you all the time, both customers and people interested, and you get great feedback, but I couldn't imagine just saying, well, you know, no credit card. And now I've got every kind of person on the internet going, well, how come it doesn't do this? Or I, it, the, the money at the beginning, having someone who's willing to spend money is such a good filter. Yeah. With a product like yours, it's not super lightweight to get started. You have to have a podcast to upload in and start hosting. So if you're not serious and you're just a looky-loo, then you're not going to get any value out of it anyways, unless you're actually like really committed to, to doing something, right? That's a, Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the thought. But I mean, to to start, what do you do? You just listen to Rob Walling, like that. That's whatever. <laughs> that, the, when in doubt, uh, when just in, listen to Rob. <laughs> and maybe he's wrong, or maybe his his experience doesn't match. You know, match up with what you're doing. But at least take the best practice that you know of so far, right? It just, and it also seemed to fit our product. People have been selling web hosting for decades now. We we thought, okay, well, let's just follow what they're doing, and mm. yeah. So how, how did you feel about the results of the launch overall? Overall, I felt good. Overall, I felt like we achieved a lot of what we wanted to achieve. The biggest thing was just the relief of finally this thing is out. You know, there's no more messing around. It's like this thing is out in public. Now we have to start thinking about what this means. There's a little bit of hiding when you're working on it beforehand. It's like it's just fun. Every and you get to talk about it like it's a real thing, but it's not really a real thing. Yeah, that's been my life, kind of. I've been selling like access to the tuple alpha to people, and it's just like this software doesn't exist yet, which in a way is a huge strength because I can just talk about it like it's going to be great for reasons X, Y, Z, and this is what we want it to be like. And everyone's like, yeah, that does sound great. It's like, yeah, because you, no one can see it yet. Everyone, it's just like the fantasy is the reality right now. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So you're facing the music now by getting your thing out in the world. Yeah, we're, we really are. It sounds like you had a healthy attitude and a, a awareness around like the signups that would happen. Because to me, when I heard like, oh, like 10,000 people are hitting it, I'm like, oh, nice. That must be hundreds of trials, I guess. And so I feel like if I had ended the day in single digits, I would have been like, oh my God, like what happened? Yeah, no, no, I, I kind of had, and we talked about this beforehand too. The nice thing about doing early access is you know exactly kind of what, it takes to get someone, even if you're manually doing it, you, you know, right? And so I had a kind of an understanding of, okay, this is probably what we're looking at. We've had 31 sign, no, 30, 30, because one of these is John. <laughs> uh, we've had 30 trials since um, we did the launch. And we're at 901 in MRR right now. We'll see if how many of those folks convert? I mean, if all those folks convert, that would, I mean, they won't all convert, but let's say even if we got 15, that would be another 270 bucks in MRR. Like it's just slow burn. We're going to try to get to 1500 and then keep growing it. Mm -hmm. you, you had a post about this recently, or you're, you're, you're talking about 
like you ran a little simulation, which is like if we if we grew at this rate and had this churn, we're looking at five years to hit like this number. Yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tool I used was forecast.bearmetrics.com. Before, when I was just doing back of napkin calculations, I was thinking, okay, well, if we grow 10%, um, you know, it'll take us this long. But if you're not calculating churn, it looks a lot different. And so what did I say? Yeah, so 1,500. And then if we grow at 10% and 5% churn, yeah, it'll take something like 60 months to get to $20,000, which is kind of the, the mark where, okay, that's enough money for us to quit doing other things and, you know, do this. I would way rather have that expectation than there's just so many benefits to being having been around the block a few times. Like, I just, I just know, like, there, very few things take off like a rocket ship, especially in SaaS. And so you've got these people that have been telling their families and their friends, like, just wait till we launch this thing. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna be great. And then they get to that day and they're like, oh man, you know, Natalie from Wildbit talks about launching, what would it have been, maybe Postmark or I'm not sure, but their first SaaS product. And they had a mailing list. They were like ready, you know, they sent it out and they're just waiting for hours and hours for a single sale to come in. And they're pros. So if you're getting into SaaS, I think you got to expect that, yeah, it's going to be slow. Now we'll see. Once we send out to our waiting list, we'll see how many of those convert. Yeah. Um, and That's probably might, your best segment. It's probably ever. the best segment. Yeah. Yeah. So because there, there's at least a lot more intent there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm betting that will be your best sales day or like trial sign up day for, for the next year probably. Yeah, and maybe forever. Like it yeah, it may never grow that. Not. Well, it may never grow that fast in a day. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Cuz there's just not that many things you can do with SaaS that aren't destructive that can get you that much sales in a day. A lot of folks are doing these at lifetime AppSumo deals. Those are those are bad. Don't do those. I I I don't know why, if you had a SaaS product, you would do those short-term revenue bump. But I've gotten a lot of good customers from AppSumo. But for info products, I've also gotten a lot of bad customers. And we're, we're just kind of banking on a really slow, steady growth. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a healthy awareness to have. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see. I, the thing is, we don't have the data. What happened? I mean, maybe we'll grow at 20% a month. Maybe, you know, we, we just don't know. So, you know, once we've got, we're using ProfitWell to track some of this stuff. We just noticed the other day, I, haven't, I actually don't even know where this is, but Stripe has some like actual SaaS metrics now, hey? In the billing area? Have you hmm. seen that? I haven't seen the SaaS metrics, no. But I know that they did flesh out that part of their offering quite a bit. Here, I'll share. I mean, people at home won't be able to see this, but... <laughs> You're going to share your screen on our podcast? <laughs> well, I'm just going to share the screen on the podcast because I want to know if you have seen this before. This screen here, it has... Uh, so if you, no. if you go to... For listeners at home, if you mm. go to billing in your Stripe account, you'll see the, like, here's your MRR number, here's your... Now, I don't know why this MRR number is different than my other one, but, you know, it shows all the, the stuff, right? Hmm. And yeah. these these wow, even look, have trials in there. Yeah. These look comparable to oh, wow. like cohorts and everything. 
Wow, that's cool. Chart that's mogul and bare metrics and everything. For bare metrics. Yeah. I imagine. Kind of neat. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go take a look. That's kind of what's going on. How's your brain? How's your mental state? I think, I mean, it's definitely been a lot better since we, like getting it out was helpful. A few people mentioned, I don't know where I talked about this, maybe on our show, but like launching is a lot of energy and a lot of emotion. Like that whole day, that launch day, I was just like a chicken with my head cut off. Like I'm just buzzing and there's just stuff coming at you. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not thinking straight. And if I had just stayed in that mode for another week or two, I think it would have been bad for my mental health. My family was flying in on the second. So I knew like, I'm done. I'm going to be able to answer a few support chats, but I'm basically out of this. And just having that space of not looking at email and not looking... This is the first meeting I've taken in the past two weeks. (laughs) I just like, just canceled everything else and just hung out by the pool. So I think that was helpful. And again, managing expectations beforehand. When I email my launch list, I would like to get to 1500 MRR. That's kind of what I'd like. And if, if we accomplish that, that's great. And we're going to kind of let Transistor continue to build. We're, we're already starting work on spots.fm. Um, you know, just kind of putting some things in place for that. So do you want to tell people what spots is? Spots is self-serve ads for indie creators, and we're going to start with podcasters. So making it as easy to advertise on a podcast as it is advertising on Facebook. So you folks would go to spots.fm slash art of product. And if you have a company, you'd be able to sponsor the show. It's actually based on a theory I have that all of this work in the Patreon direction. So... Patreon, um, Breaker just announced a support a podcast feature. Anchor just announced a support a podcast feature. Google Podcasts says they're going to have a donate feature. I think that's the wrong approach for most indie creators. Um, If you go, like, most conferences are primarily supported by corporate sponsors. Most, uh, you know, festivals are primarily, like, the, the big money always comes from corporate sponsorships. And so if you're creating content and you want to make a significant amount of money, um, you, you should probably have some form of sponsorship that allows a company to sponsor you and then write it off as a marketing expense. I think those other things have a place, but we have an opinion about what's the best way for podcasters to earn income from their show. And this is one pillar, I think, that people should be paying attention to yeah i feel like this is a frontier that's not fully fleshed out like i remember when facebook ads was was kind of new and i think at the time i was working with rob on Hittail, and like it was really becoming like the the flywheel of choice to like you know just insert dollars and get get trials and they were cheap and it was you know it was really kind of just early days and now i think facebook is probably trending ever more towards the direction of like, uh, you know, Google AdWords, which is priced way out of the ballpark for a lot of people who want to run ads online. And, you know, podcasting, if you're sold on the fact that like podcasting is a trend that will continue to grow and more and more, you know, brands and companies and just individuals will be producing content 
over podcasts, then it seems like there's a potentially huge untapped, you know, mind share there to have well-placed ads. So I think I think this could be really, really good. Yeah. Again, you, you, we're just testing things out right now. We're, we're, we have some theories, but none have been proven. The interesting thing about hanging out with your family is you get to really kind of see what's popping with the normals, you know, <laughs> like what, like what's <laughs> happening with normal people. And they're unprompted by what I'm doing. They are all talking about podcasts. That's what they talk about. When you ask folks what they've bought because of a podcast, increasingly people have three or four things. They're like, oh yeah, I got that Casper mattress and then I signed up for Squarespace and then I ne- my boss needed documents and we went to LegalZoom. Like, that's what's happening right now. And so when I see something like that happening in the real world, one reason I was not super bullish on crypto, I didn't see normal people using it. There's a lot of normal people who are interested in it not a lot of people using it as a form of currency. And so I was just, I just, mm, this doesn't feel right. But usage is like, that's oxygen for, you know, actual ideas. You know, when my sister says she's listening to Tim Ferriss and my sister's like, she's quite a feminist. I'm like, man, Tim Ferriss, that's kind of bro-y for you, isn't it? <laughs> but, but she just loves the Tim Ferriss podcast and that's a, that's crazy. Like, so she found that on her own and that's like a thing that she does and has in her schedule. Like, I sorry, a, a part of her routine that there's something going on there. So it's something I want to investigate a little bit more. Um, we don't, we also don't know how fast this is going to get saturated. We don't know what effect we, we are also currently anti kind of uh, automatic ads and podcasts. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the word, the terminology right now, but we don't want to have the dynamic just, ads. Yeah, dynamic. Later. Yeah, dynamic ads. We're not big on those. So right now, we're, like spots, um, we're only going to be allowing people to book uh, pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll. Inside of Transistor, we're adding a promotions feature that will allow you to. This is really cool. It'll allow you to, if you're doing a campaign like a launch. So both of you launch, you'll be able to dynamically insert pre-roll. Hey, it's been. You've been hearing me talk about launching Tuple. Well, today's the day. But you'll be able to do that for your entire back catalog and also have a placeholder in your show notes that allows you to do the same thing. And so then when the campaign is over, you just remove them both. Remove the audio and remove the placeholder in your show notes. So there's some stuff like that that I'm excited to work on. Yeah, so that's kind of what's what's next. (laughs) That's really cool. I like the point about talking to the normals, as you said, like people not in this echo chamber. I was just chatting with Rob the other day and we were kind of observing how like, you know, so many of us kind of in this microconf, micropreneur type of space will, you know, get a lot of support from each other and we'll get validate positive validation about the stuff we're working on from each other. One of the keys for a lot of SaaS businesses is to like step outside of that and like penetrate, not even like fully cross the chasm into like the mainstream, but just outside of this like kind of hyper techie, you know, early adopter type of people and kind of go at least one or two layers outside of there because otherwise, you know, you're going to just kind of hit a plateau. And so I think it's like so important to just get like that step outside of the circle when it actually comes to, to validating ideas and just, yeah. You know, I've, testing stuff out. I have an old blog post like this 
called, I think it's called We Are Not Normal People. It made a big splash on Hacker News and a lot of people obviously didn't like it. But I think there's a huge temptation when you're building something to try to change people's priorities so they fit your ideal. You know, like you, you've got this vision in your head and you just want, you want to apply that vision and just place it on top of people. But it, just because you want it doesn't make it true. And just because you have this vision of creating something using X tech stack and X whatever, at the end of the day, we're not normal people. And normal people in your guys' case would be normal developers. Derek, you are not a normal developer. Ben, you are not a normal developer. So if you're going to build something for developers, you better be hanging out with some normal developers who have a boss, who have to have a stand up every morning at 7am, who you know have to ask if they can go on vacation, all that stuff. And it's something we forget, I think. Just are you going to get out and actually talk to some normals or are you going to uh, n- not talk to normals, observe normals, listen to normals. That, that's the yep. key. Yep. Well, that's enough yakking for me. What, what, <laughs> what's going on with you folks? You sure it's only 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like these episodes. They always just end up being status updates for me. And then <laughs> no, last time was, I, I think we had, we had a pretty good split last time. A little more, a little, a third each roughly. Yeah. That's yeah. all right. You got a lot on your mind. You, you just did a thing. Like, yeah, we didn't launch anything. So we wanted to get you back on the show after last time we ran, what, over an hour, and we still had more questions for you, but I think I think we addressed a lot of those and heard about your exciting launch. Yeah. So this, has been a good, this has been a good episode. Cool. Well, hopefully that's helpful for folks to... I, there's probably some takeaways in there if you're working on something that you can apply to your thing. Totally. I like people coming on and giving an, an accurate and real assessment of what it's like to work on stuff. And the ups and the downs. And I think your, your honesty is really helpful in that regard. Yeah. One thing I keep reminding myself is just this, is, this might not work out. It's so new. Just to take it day by day, time by time. One more thing is when I got into this with John, a lot of folks were like, oh, man, you must really care about Transistor. Like People often want to talk to me about Transistor. And I'm way more interested in talking about my relationship with John. Partly because I just wanted to build something with him. That was my interest. So we could have been building anything. To me, this, this company and this product that we've created, it's a nice to have. It's not the main event. To me, the main event is getting to like meeting somebody, getting to know them, and then saying, let's do something together that's meaningful and doing it and then going, okay, well, if it works, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Yep. And that's just your first thing you built together. That's just the first thing. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. I'm not really in love with anything at this point. It's if if this works, that's great. And I'll you know, it it aligns with a lot of things I like, but it's not life. If transistor doesn't work out. I will still be like, oh, remember, John, when we worked super late and then we went out and then there was a street festival and we just walked through the street festival and like watched a bunch of bad EDM bands. And, you know, that that's real life. And I don't want to get distracted. Um, There's a real cult around products and launching products and startups. And I just think it's unhealthy. 
I'm excited about Transistor's launch. I'm excited about the next thing we build, but I'm way more, I'm just trying to enjoy the process. I'm trying to enjoy, you know, the real human stuff in between. That to me is more important about whatever kind of results we get. I think, you know, the results might, might come, they might not come. Uh, we're doing our best to make sure they come, but there's other things that I care about more. Perfect place to end it. I dig it. Cool. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> if uh, people want to get more of you in their earbuds, you have a podcast. You have more than one podcast, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so the, the one we update the most frequently is Build Your SaaS, S-A-A-S. That show publishes every Tuesday. That's John and I talking. So if you want to hear like the flip side of, of what it's like to work with me, that's a good one. I have an infrequently updated personal journal podcast called Megamaker. The big thing I'm trying to get folks to do right now is subscribe to my newsletter because I've, I'm publishing something new every Saturday, uh, justinjackson.ca slash newsletter. And uh, I've been getting really good feedback about uh, focusing a lot more on this human side that I just talked mm -hmm. about. Cool. Sounds good, man. And show notes for us, Derek? Show notes for us are at artofproductpodcast.com. Justin, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, right. man. Take care.